This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. We are in week two of risk takers. And what we're talking about in this series is nothing to do with foolish risk. Uh, you know, I was driving to work uh, this week and it was one of the days it was really cold and there was ice in the road. It was like 15 below. I looked down in my car and there was a guy driving a bicycle, riding his bicycle, 15 below and ice on the road. You know, he's got the full ski mask and he's not just doing it safely. He's like riding between the traffic and stuff like that. Foolish risk, we're not talking about that in this series. What we're looking at in this series is life presents us with opportunities and challenges. And we are going to have to make some choices relating to those things. And it is a risk, the things that we choose to do. And then it is also a risk to do nothing. To be uh, lethargic or to be lazy when it comes to life's choices and opportunities. But we, that's a risk that we actually don't want to take. And what we want to do is look at the scripture and see the risks that God wants us to take in our lives. Because he wants us to move our lives forward. Uh, the scripture, uh, not the scripture, I looked up the definition of risk management and it means this. Minimizing negatives and maximizing opportunities. And that's what we want to do in life. We want to maximize our opportunities. So in life, we're always, uh, we're always looking forward in life and we can never guarantee exactly the details of how our lives are going to turn out. Now we're going to have some ideas, you know, moving forward about some places that we're going to go. Um, but we don't know exactly what our life is going to look like two years from now or five or ten years from now. Uh, so we can't necessarily have a guaranteed outcome of exactly what I can imagine today. But what I can guarantee every day is the actions that I am going to choose to take. And then also, I can guarantee my attitude. That it's guaranteed for me to choose my attitude, regardless of the circumstances, that I can choose my attitude going forward in my life. I'm going to take that risk to decide my attitude so that I can move my life in the direction that God would have for me. So let's turn over to Bibles uh, this morning to 2 Kings chapter 7. And in this portion of scripture that we looked at uh, last week, it's in and around the time of the prophet Elisha. And he gave a prophecy about a very specific city, about some um, changes that would happen in market conditions. And then there was these four gentlemen outside of the city and they were lepers. Now, lepers were not allowed to live in, in the setting of cities because they didn't know about the contagious nature of their disease. So a lot of times they were shunned from their families. And here these guys give us some great insight um, into life and a little bit about risk. It says, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3 says, Now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. And they said to one another, Why are we sitting here? Until we die. If we say, let us enter in the city, the famine is in the city, we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now come, let us go into the camp. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we will but die. So these guys had a very simple philosophy of life. If we stay here, we could die. If we go there, we could die. We stay here, we might live. We go there, we might live. Like those very sort of simple binary choices that they had. And we know the end of the story that they actually went in the city and God provided blessings for them. But in every situation of life, it's a risk 
to stay here, do nothing, die. And it's a risk actually to move forward. But we want to take godly risk. We want to be led by the Spirit of God. We want to choose the things that we see in the Scripture so that God can help us along the way. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 1. It says, send your grain across the seas and in time profits will flow back to you. But divide your investments among many places. Now, I asked a bunch of you last week if you had investments, and a bunch of you said no. I hope you started some. And if you haven't, I hope you start some soon. For you do not know what risks might lie ahead. When clouds are heavy, the rains come down. Whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. And if they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Looking for perfect condition, these farmers who are going to sow seed to expect a harvest, waiting for things to be perfect. And I'm, when things aren't perfect, I won't do something. I won't plant to see the illustration is. And then looking to harvest, well, I'm going to go harvest something, but the conditions aren't perfect, so I'm, I'm not going to go harvest something. That's a risk. It's a risk to wait for perfect conditions. Why? Because perfect conditions never come. We, we can't just be waiting for every season of life. Oh, I'm just waiting for this. I'm waiting for this to go on. I'm waiting for this person to act this way. I'm waiting for the economy to look like this. I'm waiting for this election. I'm waiting for this thing. And then you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And circumstances are never perfect. Because the reality is we do actually want to harvest from our lives. We do actually want to plant seed and experience a harvest from the seed that we plant. And I'm saying that figuratively. We, the things that we are going to experience in our lives have a lot to do with what we do now. The, the attitudes that we have, the actions that we take, the words that we say. And so we want to experience a harvest in our lives. But we need to know ahead of time, what are we committed to? Who are we committed to? Why? Because we look outside the window... And the conditions aren't perfect. Things aren't always going to be great. And if we're waiting for perfect conditions, what are we going to do? We're never going to experience the harvest that God has for us. So I gave a list of a few things last week about things that we should be committed to or we should know ahead of time. And I believe like these are applicable to all of us. We need to know ahead of time what we're committed to. Why? Because the pressure of life is coming. And it's good to be prepared before the pressure comes. Because you need to know, well, what am I committed to? Who am I committed to? Because the pressure will be there. The temptation will be there. And it's going to push against you. And it's going to want, it's going to, want to push you off course. So what am I committed to before the pressure comes? The first thing that we should say, obviously in the context of church, is God. We should have our lives committed and centered around God because all of the other things in life flow from this relationship that I have with God. But the pressure is going to come. The pressure is going to come and it's going to want to push God off the throne of your life. And it's going to want to put your desires on the throne of your life and what you want today and how you feel today. You're going to, and the pressure is going to come. And it's going to say, no, forget God's word. This is how you feel today. Make that the king of your life. But before the pressure comes, we got to decide that God is the center of my life. That Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Not just my Savior. My Savior, yeah, I'm going to go be with Him forever. But my Lord means He's in charge. That He has the rulership place of my life. So we need to set that before the pressure comes. 
And then we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego last week. Do you remember? The pressure came. And the pressure came for them, what? To, to take another God and put another God on the throne of their life. And they're like, no. We're not going to do it. No matter how you threaten us, we're not going to do it. You can throw us in the fiery furnace. We're not going to do it. But they had that decided before the pressure came. So if you missed that message, you can catch up. It's on our website, podcast, or through our church app. The second thing that we need to be committed to is family. Who are the people in our lives that we are committed to? Why? Because the pressure is going to come. And it's going to be hard in those relationships. We just did a whole series about people problems. It's going to be hard in those relationships. And when the pressure comes in those relationships, you have to know, who am I committed to? Because it's not always going to be perfect. And we're not always going to look out the sky in our relationships. And it's going to be perfectly sunny day. There's going to be some cloudy, rainy days in our relationships. But we can't let those things push us away. Why? Because we want to experience a harvest in the context of our relationships. What are the purposes of God for my life? And I said, for me, you know, I'm a a husband and I'm a dad and I'm a pastor. And all, all of what I do in my life, it goes around those three things. And the pressure is going to come and going to try to push me off and, and to do other things. And no, these are the things that I have settled in my life. This is who I am. This is what I'm doing. And it's good to know those things ahead of time. Why? Because the pressure is going to come. It's going to want to push you away from those things. God, Because why? Those things that I believe are the purposes of God for my life, it's not always easy. It's not always easy to be a husband. And all the husbands said, Okay, come on, man up this morning. I know you're sitting beside her, but it's not always easy to be a husband. And we'll give the wives a chance. It's not always easy to be a wife, is it? Okay, guys, we need some enthusiasm like that. It's not always easy to be a parent. Oh, I got some allies on that one. And it's not always easy to be a pastor, is it, Dad? It's not easy to be a pastor. People are going to push you in other directions, but you've got to get it settled. Got to get those things settled so that you can be committed to those things when the heat comes. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. What are the convictions that I have about being a person of integrity? And then last thing on the list, and we're going to talk about this later in the series, is problems I'm solving... For the people I'm serving. And like I said, that has to do with in the home and outside of the home. Because everybody's working in life, inside of the home and outside of the home. And what we're doing with our jobs is we are solving problems for people. That's what we're doing. Am I going to be committed to those things? Because there's going to be difficulties in the middle of those things. So we're going to be talking about... Being a person of integrity. Now, let me give you a preface up front. This is a very pastoral message. This is a message about sanctification. And what does sanctification mean? It's just a good Bible word. It just means we're becoming more and more Christ-like. This is what the scripture tells us, that we are predestined to become more and more Christ-like. And this will be a journey for us. Our relationship with God is not 
predicated upon our perfection. It's predicated on what Jesus has done. So thank God for his grace. So none of what I talk about today is, is, is designed to make us feel guilty. But what it's designed to do is help us to be more Christ-like. To move into the image of Christ. So nobody's going to feel guilty today, right? All right. But it's not necessarily one of those shouting messages, but it is a good pastoral message. It's not something that any traveling preacher would ever preach, but it's a a message that we need to hear. About being a truthful person. Do we like the truth? Don't we want the truth? Don't we say to people, just tell me the truth. I want to know the truth. I want you to be honest with me. Has anyone seen the show on Netflix, Making a Murderer? Okay, I, I know you watch Netflix. <laughs> Has anyone seen this show? Yes. All right, a few of us have seen this show. So this show is about this guy, Stephen Avery. And how many years was he in jail, babe Avery? He was in jail for like 10 years, being wrongfully accused. And then when he got out of jail, this whole other murder happened. And then the whole show is we're not sure if he did it or if he did it or the the cops, the investigators are bad. And there's been two seasons of this show and we still don't know. And at the end of the second season, I'm like, just tell us the truth. I can't watch another season of this. I just want to know the truth. Just tell me what happened. Just somebody be honest. You ever watch a politician on television? (laughs) And you're like, just risk it. Just tell us the truth. We just want to know. Now, it's very easy to, to demand truth from other people. And we want it from other people. But what about us? What about me deciding for myself that I'm going to be a person of integrity? That I am going to be somebody... Who does the thing that other people want. And what other people want? They want the truth. So what do we need to be? We need to be a person of integrity. We need to be a person who says truthful words. It's a very important principle in our lives. It's a very important thing uh, to help us to live once again Christ-like. That Jesus was all about the truth. And when we think about Jesus' life, you know, he would tell the truth and people would love it. And then other people wouldn't like the true words that he said. And if you're not sure about that, you can read the Gospels. So what's a risk to tell the truth? We're going to look at a story here in Genesis chapter 39. So let's turn over there. And it's a story about Joseph. And, and before we get to the part that we're at, if you don't know the story of Joseph, Joseph and the the multicolor coat that his dad for made for him. And he was kind of his dad's favorite. He was the youngest. And then Joseph had this dream. And part of this dream was that everybody in his family would bow down to him. And it was illustrated a few different ways. And his brothers didn't like this dream. So much so that they planned to kill him. To kill their own brother. And then someone said, you know, it's our brother. And maybe we shouldn't kill him. Here's a better idea. We'll sell him. There's a little bit of a dysfunction going on in that family. Well, it'll kill him, we'll sell him. And so he had a really bad circumstance in his life. And he's in this place where he has just been sold into slavery. Really bad circumstances. Certainly not a sunny day in his life. Genesis 39, and we'll pick up the story here in verse 1. It says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh 
the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him before the Ishmaelites, had bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he began... He became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. So this is a great thought for us all, that he was successful in the middle of difficult circumstances. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and attended him, and made him overseer of his house, and put him in charge of all that he had. From that time, he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and field. Let me just say once again, there's a really important principle here that God will bless your business because you are there. God will bless the company that you work at because you are there. So it's good to maintain a good attitude about your job. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge because he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Now ladies, easy on your imagination right now. But this this detail is important. This is thrown in for a reason so we can understand about Joseph's handsome guys, good looking dude, form and appearance. The full package, all right? And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, lie with me. Now, she's not talking about nap time. This is why it's always good to check your kids into city kids, because we're going to read the Bible, and parts of the Bible are rated R, just in case you weren't sure about this situation. The good-looking dude, she's looking at him, and she's like, I'm kind of tired of my husband, Potiphar, Joseph. Let's have a little spooning moment. Together, lie with me, she says. But he refused and said, he refused and he said, just going to say some true words. And said to his master, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he's put everything that he has on my charge. He is, not greater, he is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept anything back from me except you, because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now, when Joseph is talking about sin against God, you know, we could put it in this idea that God doesn't like sin. And that is true. God does not like sin because sin hurts you and it hurts other people. That's why God doesn't want us to sin. He's not arbitrarily trying to ruin our fun. That's not the point of things that are called sin in the scripture. They hurt you and they hurt others. Sin does damage. God doesn't want us to do damage to ourselves and others. So Joseph is saying, I'm not going to do this sin against God. Now, what do we know already about Joseph? I mentioned it, that God had had given Joseph a dream, a God-purposed dream for his future. And he didn't want to ruin that dream that God had given to him. So the highest thing that he could think about is, God, I'm not going to sin against God. He said it out of his mouth. He said true words. Now, did Potiphar's wife like these words? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he 
would not listen to her to lie beside her or with her. So she kept coming. And he kept saying the same words. But one day, when, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of, none of the men in the house were there in the house, she caught him by his garment. This is a persistent woman. She caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled to go out of the house. And what's the rest of the story? The rest of the story, because the garment was there, then she falsely accused Joseph of doing the thing that she actually wanted him to do because she was angry, because he didn't agree to it. And then what happened? Joseph got thrown into prison because he told the truth. Telling the truth is risky business. Not everybody is going to like it when you tell the truth. Not everybody is going to agree with it when you say true words. But here's the question for all of us. And once again, it's really easy to demand it of other people and want other people on TV. Just tell us the truth. But what about us? And here is just a private moment where a teenage boy is being offered sex from an older woman when there's seemingly no ramifications and he's already been deserted by his family. But he's saying there's actually something greater for me than just this single moment. And she didn't like it. She got him in trouble. Why? Because he told the truth. He said something out of his mouth and he had an idea about his future and he had an idea about what was true and so he wanted to say that thing. See, we all have good ideas and bad ideas. We always have to decide, is, is this a good idea? What I'm about to say, is this a good idea? Not only is it good, is it true? Is it true for the things that I'm already committed to? The list that we mentioned earlier. Is it true for that? Because here, what nobody's going to know. And the circumstances in my life are actually terrible right now. Have you ever felt like that? You know, maybe in a moment of temptation, like this didn't go well, and 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 you're kind of like, let's go to Vegas. You know what I'm saying? Something along those lines. Where you're just going to throw up your hands and forget the whole thing. Because all of what I tried to do has been good and then none of these things work out. Joseph could have felt like that. Thrown the whole thing away because life was difficult. See, when we think about truth, see, God wants us to be truthful. God wants us to tell the truth. And once again, we want it from other people. So this is not a big revelation for us today. But there's there's a pathway in our life of truth that we can just walk down this pathway of truth that, that I know what I'm committed towards and that I know what's happening in my life. And so all that I have to describe in what's happening in my life, I could just be truthful about what's happening. Now, I'm going to answer for you. All of us in here have told a lie. And the hard part of when we tell a lie is we have to try to remember two things. We have to try to remember the truth and we have to try to remember the lie. And when we have to try, we're like, okay, who did I tell the truth to? 
And who did I tell the lie to? And then you're trying to hold two things in, in your life, and it just makes life really hard. To tell a lie makes life hard for you. It makes life hard for other people, but it makes life hard for you because here's this truth stream. But then if we're going to diverge into lies, you have to rem- where did where did I break off from the truth? Because this, the truth is easy to remember. A lie is hard to remember. And then it messes you up. And then it messes up your relationships. See, the scripture tells us that the enemy, that the devil... Is the father of lies. He's the deceiver. In other words, we're going to say things to deceive somebody. Get someone to think something that's not true. And we, we shouldn't, I mean, we shouldn't want to align ourselves with the enemy. With the devil. He's the deceiver. Father of lies. Jesus was known for truth. Telling the truth. And if we take that to its end, telling the truth got him crucified. Telling the truth is risky business. See, we're going to feel the pressure to, to not say the truth sometimes. Why? Because we feel like, oh, if I say the truth, this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And the pressure is coming to tell the truth. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Speaking the truth in love. See, everything that we say should be truthful. But we don't have to say everything we know. Now, let me give you an example of what I mean by that. When your, when, when your babies come to you and they're old enough and they ask you the question, the first time they ask you the question, where do babies come from? <laughs> stork is a lie. It's not a good time to introduce storks as a lie. We're not going to talk about storks in there. And then what about what all parents do is like, well, mommy and daddy have a special hug. I'm telling you, it's good to check your kids into city kids. And then when they're young, it's like, okay, and that's good enough. Now, in that, that first time when they ask you, do you need to go into full biology? Come on now. No, you don't. But you don't need to tell them a lie. You can tell them a special hug is true. <laughs> When they get a little bit older, and it's time to have the conversation, and here would have been my advice, it's time to have the conversation before the school teaches it to them. You teach them. It shouldn't be, it's, it's, it's an easy, it's not easy, but it's a simple conversation to have, because there's biological things that we can explain to our children. But we're going to tell them the truth all along the way. Speaking the truth in love. We're going to season the truth with love. Now, um, some people that are, are close to me, my wife namely, will tell me, well, I'm not always good at this. I'm not always good at seasoning truthful words with loving thoughts. That sometimes it will, it will hit 
too hard. Like, you didn't have to say it like that. I'm like, I'm sorry. But these go together. Jesus, full of grace and truth. We're going to read that here in a second. We're going to speak the truth and love. And these are, these, this is a good combination. Then we're not, we're not trying to turn truth into an angry hammer. But it can be spoken in a loving way. And then what's going to happen? We're going to grow up. Because we need to know the truth, right? You know, back to my wife. My wife is a very truthful, honest person. And when I act in a certain way that she doesn't like it, she's just going to tell me. Do you know what I mean? And then sometimes you're like, I don't want to hear it. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Any married people in the house? Anyone married have these conversations? Like, I didn't actually want to hear that right now. You know when you said this and this thing happened? Shouldn't have said it like that. And then what do we do? We defend ourselves, right? We're like, I didn't mean it like that. And blah, blah, blah. But then eventually, I don't know how long, I don't know how many hours it takes. Eventually, I will agree that what she said was true. Because why? We actually need to know the truth, right? Don't we need to know the truth? We had some people in Bible school that had B.O. So some of our, the leaders at our Bible school, you know, be like, dude, you got to talk to this guy because we can't stand next to him. It's just not a good situation. Body odor. No reason for it. Um, so, <laughs> so, went to a couple of people and they were totally fine. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. And like, here's how you use deodorant and here's how you apply it. Maybe your mom didn't teach you. We don't know. Um, one of the guys got super offended. Didn't want to know the truth. Everybody else's problem, blah, blah, blah. Now, we can look at that person and be like, dude, seriously, you need to know the truth. The truth will set you free. <laughs> See, we should want the truth. See, and this is where good, healthy marriage is not going to do a marriage talk. Good, healthy marriages are going to have truth conversations. Because everybody needs to adjust themselves in marriage. Unless you get the truth, and you can't be afraid to speak the truth. This activity, these words, this situation. And then you got to talk through those things sometimes for hours. Are there any married people in the house? Do you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes these things take hours. John 1 verse 14 says And the word became flesh And dwelt among us And we have seen his glory Glory as only As the only son of the from the father Full of grace And truth Scripture says Jesus came to testify of the truth But not everybody liked The truth that Jesus said But what was he full of? Full of grace and truth. And once again, love and truth, grace and truth. This is a great mixture in life. This is a great way to season the truth that you should say. You should only say truth in the context of your relationships and life. 
But learning to season it with grace and love will help you. But those times when you're tempted, because we will all be tempted. If I just don't say the truth here, it will be better. It will never be better for you to tell a lie. It's not going to help you in the long run. It's not going to help them in the long run. Like I said, it's a risk. It's a risk for Joseph found himself in the dungeon. In a hard place. But once again, think about it. We want, we want people to tell us the truth. So why don't we be that person that tells the truth? Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things the heart of the righteous ponders what does that mean it means slow down think about what you're going to say in this moment is it true is it in this flow of truth who you want to be, who God has made you to be who you're committed to the things that you're going to be doing in your life the purposes of your life, the activities that actually happened, the conversations that were actually had, not manipulating a story to make yourself look better or to find an advantage, changing the story, tweaking the story of what actually happened to benefit you somehow. That's called lying. The righteous ponder. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm going to slow down here. Well, I, I need, we need an answer right now. Well, we need to know right now. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about it. The righteous, we're going to ponder. We're going to think. We need to think. We need to slow down and think, not just, not just say stuff. Because it's good. And I'm going to say this because this is the moment. This is what they want to hear. And this is what they want me to say. So I'm just going to say it. You ever felt that pressure? Because people just want you to say certain things. They just want you to answer in the, the, the normal answer for that time. And this is, this is the world we live in today. I had an experience at our old building one time. There was a guy, came, a little bit of an odd guy, have a conversation with me after service. Um, and, you know, he was a little bit of a legend in his own mind. Let me just put it that way. And... So he came to me after the service and, and he said to me before he left, he's like, pray for me every day. And I said, no. <laughs> and he looked at me with this blank face. Because <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going to pray for him every day. I just met him. I thought it was weird. I most likely wasn't going to think about, about him again after this conversation. So I'm not actually going to pray for him every day. Now, it would seem like the pastoral thing to say, right? I just want you to know, brother, I'm going to be praying for you every day. <laughs> and I wasn't. I wasn't actually going to be praying for him, so I said no. And he had this blank look on his face. I'm like, if you wanted a different answer, you should have asked a different question. <laughs> I'm not going to pray for you every day. Now, I'm not saying that to you as the church. 
You know, one of those little personal things, those, for me, you know, whenever I send somebody a prayer emoji, you know, it's not actually a prayer emoji, it's a high five emoji. We call it the prayer emoji. Christians have commandeered it. <laughs> if I am going to send somebody a prayer emoji, I'm actually going to pray and I try to do it right then, right then when I send it. And I, it's not like I'm doing it like a half hour. If I send the prayer emoji to somebody, just as a personal, and nobody's enforcing this on me. It's just as a personal integrity thing, if I am going to click the prayer emoji. Now, if I, if I click the laugh out loud emoji, tears, I'm not committing to the tears with the laughing. <laughs> That's just, I think it's really funny. I'm not sure that I can produce tears. But the one that I'm really trying to have integrity with is the prayer emoji. Seriously. But this is a personal choice I make. And if I press that, I'm just like, God, I just pray for that person right now. This situation, whatever the situation is, a thousand and one different things, that I actually, if I'm telling somebody that I'm praying for them, I actually want to pray for them. And listen, we we have a thousand choices like that every day. Is it, am I actually aligning myself in this pathway of truth? Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Just yes or no. Make it simple. You don't need to swear on your children. You don't need to swear on your grandmother's grave. Just yes or no. Just just make it a, a choice of integrity. And it's okay to say no. It's better to say no than to say yes and mean no. Are you out there? Hey, are you going to come to my party? And in your mind, we're like, I'm not coming. But like, yeah, I'm going to try to make it. Just say no. It's okay. Just tell the truth. It's okay to say no. Because no is in the river of truth. Joseph said no to Potiphar's wife, and it was true. Because anything else, anything beyond that, is just from an evil place. It's from a lying place. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Whatever takes the crooked path will be found out. So here we got this path. We've got this path of honesty and integrity. If we're going to step over here, what's going to happen? Well, somebody's going to find out. So, it, what, so what's a better choice? What's the risk? What's, what risk should we take? We should risk telling the truth. It's a better risk than telling lies. Proverbs, like I said, this is a pastoral message. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 5. An honest witness does not deceive, but a false witness pours out lies. We don't want to be deceptive people. 
We don't want to tell people that this is true when this is true. This is true. If this isn't true, don't say that that's true. We don't want to deceive people. We don't want to manipulate people. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 19. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Truthful lips endure forever. Why why do we have such respect for Jesus? Think about it. Think about his life. Thank God that he went to the cross for us, that he fulfilled the plan of God. But Jesus just said the truth at every turn. He spoke compassionately to people. He spoke directly to people. He corrected his disciples. He spoke things. He spoke truth to the religious leaders. And at the very end, he spoke the truth and it got him crucified. It's risky business. Now, you and I telling the truth is not going to get us crucified. But once again, we're going to feel that pressure from telling the truth. What is it? Truthful lips endure. It's a simpler, once again, it's it's a simpler way to live. Being truthful. Matthew chapter 15, verse 15. Now, Jesus had made a statement, and he was talking to his disciples, and one of the things that he was talking about, you know, within the context of their religious world, there was very specific dietary laws and very specific way to wash your hands and do things religiously. And for the religious people at their time, if you, if you broke any of these rules, you know, you, you weren't in alignment with God and somehow these, these things were placed above everything else. But Jesus comments about it and then Peter asks him a question, verse 15. But Peter said to him, explain this parable to us. And he said, are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth, into the stomach and is expelled? So Jesus is giving us a mild biology lesson here verse 18 but then he says but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles a person for out of the heart comes evil thoughts murders adultery sexual immorality theft false witness slander these are what defile a person but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone he's making a comment about these things that the Words that come from our heart, things that come up out of the inside of us. And the point he's making is that it should be true. See, if the opposite is true, these negative things, all of, all of these sin and all of these negative things that could come up out of our mouths in the forms of lies, how much more would the opposite be true if we just tell the truth? If we just say what is true? Which is not always easy, and not everybody's going to like it all of the time, and sometimes can lead to difficult marital conversations. But it's better just to tell the truth, because why? It, it's it's going to last last longer than a lie, right? Psalm fifteen, verse one says. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? 
So here we're bringing this Old Testament thought into the New Testament. And it's not a matter of in or out, once again. What I'm talking about today is not if you're a follower of Christ and you've told a lie, you're not out of the family of God. That's not what I'm talking about today. But I'm talking about dwelling in the pathway of God because the word of God is truth, the scripture tells us. So when I'm dwelling with God, I'm going to be in that place, in that path of truth. In the holy mountain, the place that God is, when I decide to tell the truth, even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, even though everybody doesn't like it, I'm going to season it with love and grace. But when I tell the truth, I'm dwelling with God. Think about that thought. When I tell the truth, I'm dwelling in the place of God. The one who, whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart. See, and this is just all about practice. See, I'm, I'm not asking for a show of hands today. And once again, everybody in here has lied. So nobody should feel condemned in here today. But we, have, we, we should have this choice. We should, like the first scripture I read, the, the second part, ponder. Is what I'm about to say, is it true? If you feel like you've told a lot of lies, here's a way to stop. Count to three before you speak. Is this true? What I'm about to say, is this true? Because I want to dwell in the place of God. Who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue uttered no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others. Who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath, even when it hurts and does not change their mind. Keeps an oath, even when it hurts. Well, I said I said I would do this, but it's going to take a lot of effort now. It's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of commitment. Listen, and I'm, I'm not even talking about other commitments, that we, external commitments, other than just family. Let's just start right where we are at home. If you're married, you've stood publicly and made vows. Have you not? I vow, I say, I've committed, blah. What if we just commit to those? And I know we have babies, but are we committed to those babies? Even when it's hard and even when they talk back and even in the middle of all of the difficulty. Are we going to stay that path of truth? Because that's the path that lasts. God's word is forever settled in heaven. Why is it forever settled? It's because it's true. The truth of God's word. So even if what it hurts, I'm not, I'm not going to change my mind. Who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bride against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be, sh- never be shaken. The truth is a solid foundation for your life. 
That's why we set our life on the truth of the Word of God. That is the greatest application of that. But then also me choosing. What am I going to choose? I know God's Word is true. What about mine? We can demand it of everybody else. But are we going to choose this path? Are we going to choose this path of integrity? Are we going to choose this path of honor? Are we going to choose this path of honesty? Because why? It's never shaken. That path was never shaken. Doesn't mean it's not hard, but the foundation is there. I don't have to remember my lies. I'm just walking on the truth of what I know and what I've experienced and who God has made me to be. That's the path that lasts. Let's just pray this morning. God, we're so thankful for your word today. We're so thankful for the truth of your word. We're so thankful that you are challenging us to become more and more Christ-like every day. That you don't just leave us the same. That you are always changing us by your love and by your grace and by who you are. God, we pray that you help us to make any changes in these areas. All of us, Lord, in these rooms, all of us in this room, Lord, uh, th that we could be honest individuals. That we could accept the truth about ourselves. And God, we want to walk on that path, the path of your truth, because that path is never shaken. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.